Thank you so much for tuning in to She's All Over the Place with Kiriaki. That's me. This is not financial advice. This is sharing and caring. Please do your own research. Stefan is the founder of Laguna Labs, a cutting-edge blockchain development house under which he has launched TrustedNode.io, Trueflation.com, and Nuon.fi. An entrepreneur, global leader, and avid crypto investor, Stefan has held several executive positions, most notably CEO of Bitcoin.com. He first got into crypto in April 2012 and has since expanded his investment and advisory portfolio across the entire blockchain industry. Serial entrepreneur, fellow podcaster, Stefan Rust. Thank you so much for being with me. How are you? Thank you, Katie. Thank you for having me and, and excited to be here as well. Yeah, no, I'm doing good. You know, 2023, um, after a, you know, a, <laughs> a brutal 2022 across the board, especially in crypto, but also I think in the, you know, traditional technology world overall in general. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. I feel yes. So um, you've <laughs> been in this space for a decade now, yeah. and I've been in a, a bull run. So I know the, the vibes and the energy of the highs and the low. And they say right now in this bear market, people, you know, I just observe as an actor, I get to observe what people are saying and doing. And a lot of people love the grit of the bear market because we see the builders. We see who's here to say, like you say, like we say, we keep our head down and we're just working and making it happen, staying off the media, staying off that stuff, because psychologically, it can really take a toll off on you. So we were talking about mental health and wellness a moment ago. But what are some things you do um, in life the last decade that really help and protect you so you can stay focused? You know, in crypto, it's, it's very decentralized. You're working with teams across multiple different time zones and you end up having very early calls and very late calls at night and throughout the day then as well. Throughout that period, I just try to find, I need to find a balance just to sort of take my mind of things. And I do two things generally. I always wake up really early in the mornings. Um, I love my 5 a.m. wake ups and I'm in the pool doing my laps at 6 a.m. and no later than 6 a.m. And that gives me one hour, one and a half hours worth of workout. And I come out of that really refreshed, cleansed. I've had time to process all of that information that I took with me at you know midnight or before I go to bed. And then I try to balance that off with just going to the gym. For me, a workout is really how I find my balance. It just takes my mind off things. I meet different types of people that are in different uh, industries, different fields. That also gives me a touch of reality in, in the sense of these are people that don't use crypto. They don't use digital technologies. They are working on construction sites. They've got day-to-day -day jobs. They're veterinarians. They're um, they're builders, they're musicians, right? And they have very different problems than the problems that we are trying to solve in cryptocurrencies and in decentralized finance. Yeah. Wow. Those everything. Great. And the two gems. It's just epic. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for that. Super smart. Get to a yeah. pool. <laughs> 1000. Um, uh, you mentioned uh, decentralization. And yeah. so um, in your language of decentralization, uh, explain what that is, please. Super easy. It's being able to access financial services without ever having to give up custody of my coins and my financial 
wealth. Okay, great. And so how do we do that? And how do we extract middlemen in that process? And that's what blockchain and smart contracts have enabled us to do, where the maintenance of these financial services are written into smart contracts. And those smart contracts are maintained by a decentralized ledger that keeps track of number one, what are the terms of that smart contract? And then number two, who has the ownership of the tokens that are locked into that smart contract? Yeah, I love what you said. And you mentioned musicians and a yeah. lot of entrepreneurs who are voiceover actors, actors on screen, musicians listen to the show. So basically, if you're a musician or yeah. any type of artist, it doesn't matter if you're Snoop Dogg, let's say, or you're just starting today, you have the same smart contract. That's the game changer for the industry of why this actually works. Yeah. From my experience, from my education, what you're saying, from what I'm hearing. Yeah. Very cool. I mean, I would say if you're a musician today, I mean, there are two ways you generally go out. I mean, you still have to go and do your concerts. You still have to go to bars and play music in front of an audience. I think that doesn't change, right? And I think as a musician, you like that feedback. You go and play in front of an audience and the audience gives you immediate response to the music you're playing. And you can then react to that and you can see that you're doing something appropriate that the audience likes or it's resonating with that specific customer base. From a financial digitization and distribution and scaling of that specific song or, or music, you know, in the past, you would have to work with a, a label, right? They would then help finance the production of a CD or of a record, of an LP or whatever it was, or, you know, a production of that song. Either way, in digital format, they would then help make sure it gets distributed onto a Spotify or onto an Apple, uh, you know, iTunes or whatever the different channels are. And then all of a sudden we had Web2 come out where you had these centralized entities such as you know SoundCloud particularly that where you could just upload your music as a DJ or as an artist. And then they, you would claim the rewards very much like you do through a YouTube channel or something like that. Yep. And then um, what I did in Web2 when I found out about, I don't know, maybe 10 years ago was uh, distribution platforms. So like TuneCore and I then I... Yeah. Uh, CD baby, but I, I distro kit I found to be quote unquote the best one and it's automatic. So when they have new gadgets and stuff, it automatically charges me X amount of minimal dollars and it puts it out to more platforms like maybe Hong Kong or new platforms that come on web two. Yeah. I wonder if they're going to cross over and for web three, that would be very smart. Uh, I think Philip is the CEO. That's an added on thing that happened as well for musicians as an opportunity to be sovereign beings, yeah. right? Through the evolution of what you're saying. And if you already have a community, how can I get the community to pre-finance a recording in advance and then have a you know, recipient receive that recording as a part of that financial investment in advance to the actual recording. And as that distribution of that recording achieves you know, success or has revenue coming in, do I, as having invested in that recording in advance, get a receive, you know, receive some sort of dividend or revenue share associated with that recording through the form of, you know, it being in a digital format and that recording is, is in a smart contract that accordingly distributes that to the recipient or the participants in that song or that recording that was done and pre-financed? 
Mm-hmm. Which very much like a label does, right? A label today in the past has gone and, and funded your, your next 10 albums and they've invested in your marketing. They've invested in all of these assets or, or in these mediums in order to help promote you and get you the visibility and the distribution. They then take a cut of the royalties and the revenue that your album then generates. How can we, you know, decentralize that and consumerize that directly to the fans of your specific song versus having an agent, a representative, a label promoting you in the marketplace? Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. So under um, Laguna Labs are across the board. I definitely saw the yielding opportunity. So I want to talk about that kind of pivoting and shifting because yeah. I find as an artist, it'd be really cool for me with the nodes, like in Clubhouse days, there was this girl, she gave us quick story on like, she was on unemployment, but she took her unemployment because I guess it was massive or something. And then she did these nodes and then she got a bunch of money. And I saw on your YouTube and oh, by the way, uh, super excited is your podcast. So everyone, it'll be in the show notes and definitely just binge super excited podcast because I'm super excited yeah. uh, to yeah. learn more. And then I saw you had Mr. Frost, who's been in the game for about 10 years developing. And he's like, yeah, we're just getting started. I'm like, oh my God, if I was 10 years in Hong Kong, just getting started like you. Yo, that is so cool. I'm I'm a yield girl for life. I totally downloaded the app, super bullish on it. And then I saw you did a YouTube video a year ago talking about yielding. And then I'm like, yo, I happened just to, when I was browsing, I happened to see like one of your current ones about the Yield app and having Mr. Frost on and then how your business, uh, your node business, Trusted Node, um, was going to have the yielding feature. So we definitely want to talk about staking, yielding language, explaining that, and then the opportunities, um, you know, whether you're an artist or not, because that's very advantageous to be able to take your currency and uh, level up on it, scale, as you said a moment ago. Can we share more about that, please? Yeah, no, I mean, um, when blockchains first came out, you know, I mean, it's, it's funny, I was just on a call this morning with you know, a formerly 16 year old that got into crypto in about 2012, or even early 2011, when he was 16 at the age, and he was paid Bitcoin to watch videos. And he was paid 10s of Bitcoins just to watch a video. If you multiply that to the price that it is worth today, you would think, man, how was somebody paid that much, right? And so, um, it's just funny how we reward people for in coins that actually had no value at the time, but today are extremely valuable, right? But we then saw a shift in technology from a proof of work environment to a proof of stake environment. That meant that the more, so stepping back, maybe I should, decentralization means that the maintenance of a database is held by multiple different parties, multiple owners of different computers that are hosted and maintained around the world. Now, those computers are currently all computing to calculate a validation and earn the right in a proof of work to mine the new block. And the new miner of that block gets that block reward. And that block reward, I think today is about six six Bitcoin per block. On average, 
in Bitcoin, a block is mined every 10 minutes, sort of type there and there. And then the formula, based on the number of miners that are out there, the formula gets more difficult or gets easier. Mm. And so that's how they, that equates. In about 2013, 2014, this concept of proof of stake came to market. And that meant that the algorithm shifted instead of using, you know, the, to compute um, a new block, there would be a new block of much faster rates and the block reward would go to where more money was staked. A portion of the new block would be minted where more money was staked. Got it. And so the algorithm would favor higher staked servers. It totally makes sense. When you think about um, the algorithm of social media marketing, it's like, how does this YouTube video has so many when people are sh sharing it, liking it, hearting it, all that jazz, they're getting more uh, visibility. So it sounds like it's the same thing with the blocking and the minting. Exactly. Very similar, right? And so if you, and my view was that, and I had a lot of these coins and in some cases I kept them in a wallet, in a decentralized wallet, which was non-custodial. In other cases, I had them sitting on an exchange, which was hosting those coins for me. And what I found out was there were always, if you were staking and you were providing security to that blockchain, because the more that it's staked across multiple different servers, the more secure and the more different parties are there to validate a network and ensure that adherence and compliance to the smart contracts running on that network. And you get rewarded as such for that. At the beginning, you were getting rewards in the 30, 60, 70% in the native token. So if there was a specific project you loved, you would earn coins in those projects that you loved. And so to me- And you have to love it. You have to love it. Yeah, it was a matter of- You have to love it. You have to love it. If you don't love it, if you don't get hooked on it, you may do it because your community's doing it. That's where community supports you, yeah. like a workout buddy or someone spreading the good healthy word. But ultimately, if all those branches fall off and you're left with you, which we are, yeah. if you love it, no one can stop you. Exactly, exactly. And and that's, that's exactly how I felt. And then all of a sudden I realized and this, you know, sort of, there was an airdrop here. There was a fork over there. They were rewarding, I'm building on top of Ethereum and I want to give an airdrop to all the people that have staked Ethereum. And all of a sudden I realized if you had your money on an exchange, you were not getting those benefits. So you were not getting, you know, the lottery tickets. You weren't getting these free door drawdowns on other coins that at some point might be valuable and, and you didn't know. I mean, I got a Uniswap coins because I held it in my private wallet. Uniswap was at the time on one inch, the same thing. You got $25 each. You could either sell them or you'd hold on to them. Yeah. And you got airdrop those. And if you had your money on a exchange, the exchange would keep those coins. Yeah. You know, and so you didn't get that benefit. This is all great and amazing. And a lot of it's like, just for the normal person who has brain function, it's like, yeah. and, I mean, I mean every, that keeps the people interested in wanting more. Also, but let's take a, like a, a dive turn. Like, yeah. you know, someone who has like ADHD or, you know, the disabilities where it's like that, right? And and I have so much going on. So I'm like, and keeping it straight because like certain things you can't 
put into your computer. You have to have two separate devices, which could be costly to make sure you're only having like information on one device. You have to like write it down, put all the keywords in certain areas. So forget the liability of like all that stuff, but like just let's focus on, you know, the the mentality in an ethical seamless way one can actually keep certain things in order. I'm sure you've ran across people, you know, who have troubles with the stuff I'm talking about. So how is it someone could maybe be more organized with that with all the opportunities and then being able to really hard narrow down and selecting one or two to focus on when you want to get in on all the good candies and prizes that are happening so early on in the game because there's so many. Yeah, so many. It's like, and what I find is you, not only are there so many, they're all very very disparate, right? I mean, yeah. you've got different chains, you've got different wallets, you've got, you know, um, different, different connections with each of those wallets. How do you keep a track of everything? And that's what we tried to do with Trusted Node. Number one, have one repository where you can stake everything. It automatically recognizes you have four different wallets. These wallets are using these different chains, have these amounts staked across each one of those. Here's a list of all the transactions, all the rewards, and all of your data is visible to you. And all we're doing is extracting it from the blockchain. We never touch any of your coins. All we're doing is identifying, this is your wallet address, which is your identity in crypto land. And based on that address, I can then see all the other wallets that are connected to you because you've given me permission to see that. That is stored in, on our side. And then we display based on the wallet addresses, what are all your stakes values where in which chains? And what are the rewards you've earned? And then what is the total value that you have across all these different things? Because that's been the challenge largely. How do you track that? How do you maintain that? And how do you know there is an airdrop for having staked on osmosis, right? Uh, oh, because you're an osmosis customer in on the Cosmos ecosystem, how do you get a reward of Evmos, or for example, right? And so, man, it's like, whoa, that's, that's overload, right? And Totally overload. And then so I have MetaMask and yeah. someone gifted me like ApeCoin and I'm like, yeah, cool. And then I like went, I'm like, yo, where's my ApeCoin? Because if you had to like uninstall and then reinstall, you have to like do it again. But what if I have like coins that I forgot like I had coins to? And then there are a couple, there are a couple where it's like, I can accept it or not. And it's like, it could be a fish or a scam. You don't know. And it's like, I don't, where do those come from? You just don't know. So I didn't do those ones, but I do, I do have some ape coin, but like I went and it's not there. And then it's like, you know, I need my assistant to help me and blah, blah, blah. And it, it just takes time. And it's like, and the other thing is like with the swaps and the bridges and the uh, updates, because the technology is new when like Polygon or like someone does like some kind of update, you have to like do updates with them. And it's like, it's hard to catch up. So some people are like, well, let me just like wait until they get it together that I just jump on. <laughs> Exactly. But a couple things come to mind. One is with the nodes and like you mentioned crypto land and people are like, oh, that's not real, like crypto fairy tale land. And and then while doing my own research and, and watching YouTubes and stuff and just like listening and learning, even the, the debt amount of our, our nation, our currency isn't actually all printed out. It's like on a ledger. It's just yeah. a number. It's like same thing with cryptocurrency. It's digital. Yeah. So is the paper dollar. So is the US dollar. Like it's not that difficult when you just break it down and you're like crypto land, crypto
cryptocurrency, all these different currencies. And it's like US dollar, that's so real concrete yeah. uh, because it's paper. Well, it's it's on a ledger, which cryptocurrency on ledgers and in other places we'll talk about and Laguna Labs. That's why you're here. We're but I can tell you, it's no different to the real world. Look here, I travel a lot, right? I have a pouch here for real world fiat currency. I have here my British pounds. I have here my Swedish krona. I have my Swiss franc. I have my euros, right? So whenever I go to Europe, I have my pouch with all my different currencies in there. I can hear it. So it's, it's actually <laughs> not, not too dissimilar, right? I mean, yeah. um, you know, it's, it's yeah. like interesting. Yeah. What I share with people is, you know, the dragma in 2001 when, you know, they changed over to the euros. People are like, how do I know about these cryptocurrencies? And it's like, well, if you're going to Hong Kong, you're using yeah. a certain currency. If you're going to France, you're using the franc, like, and then the, the Euro Union. And so that really helps people, I think, break it down in, in such a way. What are some examples that you use? Yeah, I mean, so to me, it's exactly the same thing, right? I mean, I reference in my mind, everything to the US dollar, right? I just calculate it, my, you know, everything and my nominal asset value is sort of calculated in US dollars, my expenditures, my income, etc. I convert into US dollar. I'm sure if you're in Europe, you're going to call it the euro, right? And you convert everything into the euro in your mind. In crypto land, though, you know, you're seeing more and more a trend to peg it to the Bitcoin. So Bitcoin becomes the national sort of currency. And that is sort of the baseline because that's sort of viewed as the digital gold. If Bitcoin, you know, how is this performing against Bitcoin, right? Bitcoin is the standard. And then we peg Ethereum versus Bitcoin, you know, sort of Atoms versus Bitcoin, Solana versus Bitcoin, Ada versus Bitcoin, etc. Right. And so how do we go through that notion and ultimately trade in crypto land? Will it be denominated in Bitcoin? Will the price of items be in Bitcoin? I don't know. I think today it's still too early, right? Because I think nobody's thinking in sats. I don't know what a sat is. I mean, uh, you know, until we get to a point where one sat is equal a dollar kind of thing, then we know that, okay, now I get it. But it's eight decimals, right? So it's like, oh my God, I mean, how, how do I even pronounce eight decimals, right? I mean, I can do 0.1 or 0.01, that works. But if I go 0.0000001, how do you count? How do you connect to that? I can't relate to that, right? I always have. So now I feel like the world's catching up with me because I was like always wondering when these people were going to catch up. My birthday's 1111. I'm a numbers girl. Okay, I lead my great. life with like numbers and signs. So I'm like, oh, awesome. like all this, all this language happening. I'm like, oh, I get it. Like it's finally, like, you know, so it's the world is answering to me. <laughs> my calling. <laughs> this is an exciting time to be alive and to yeah. participate in, in what's going on. So, you know, and, and for me, like I shared one of your videos with my dad yeah. and I got to have a new conversation with my dad and found out so many things that I didn't know that I thought I knew or I judged him for in such a way by going out into the world and how lucky am I to have a dad to have a conversation with someone so yeah, yeah. you know like to share you with my dad for you to be like my new mentor and then I actually got the opportunity to meet you in person and then yeah, was... and then to study you and to know your language and where you're growing to is an inspiration for the people listening now oh and I didn't mention we are 
on video. So if you want to check out the video, just pop in uh, to the YouTube. The link will hopefully be in the show notes. But I mean, seriously, like this conversation has just moved the needle, like in a way, just to shape shift in a healthy environment of potential of where, you know, where we could grow to, even if we don't take action with our own currency, we are because Gary V said in 2018, at a world's event with a Z, I was at a world's event, and he was the keynote. And he said in 2018, when one person, another person has an idea, just an idea, it's worth $4 million, an idea. And we're now in 2023. But he said the number one most valuable currency is our time, our focus, we can only focus on one thing at our time. So when we say do your own research, and just by being here now, and I thank the viewer and the listener and Stefan for joining and being here, it's because our attention or a time we're here for a reason. And when we take that and we move the needle and we invest our own time and currency, we can shape shift into something we don't know because we're growing and we're evolving together. But a good trusted source of like a decade of you and Mr. Frost and the things you've developed and, you know, being CEO of Bitcoin and, you know, studying who you are and everything you're doing. I think this is a great space and platform for people to do their own research and definitely check out your podcast. Super excited. 1000%. Yeah, no, I mean, I think this is provided in my view, it's provide it's number one is we're building a whole new system off a system that is over a century old using a format in terms of currency that is, you know, that, you know, centuries old, right? But the system that was set up was set up maybe back in the 1920s, right? And then banking became a lot more sophisticated in the 70s. And, you know, it failed, it's failed us a number of times. How do we build a new modern system in a world where we, every single household today has electricity, every household has computers, internet, et cetera, and the cloud computing is all available there. How do we build new systems, modern system that are transparent, that are allows you to protect your coins and allows you to generate wealth and create hope amongst the new generation. And this has allowed a lot of participants that do their own research, that study the market. Okay, yes, sure, fair enough. A lot of them have lost money and we've all lost money along the way, but we've made up that money to a far greater extent than what we've lost. Particularly if we stick and work through it, we do our own research, we learn out of that. And it's very much like a baby. We, we're crawling first, we then stand up, we walk, we fall down, we hurt ourselves, we cry, but we get up again. And you know, you can knock me down, but you can't keep me down, right? Sort of type thing. You, you get up again and then you walk again and then all of a sudden you've learned and you won't do that same mistake twice. And I think we've lost our way in you know, sort of learning and ourselves in terms of how we look after ourselves. I agree. I, I I say it's just my new favorite saying that I've been meditating on for a while. How can we be authentic with other people when we're not even being authentic with ourselves? How can we be more authentic with ourselves to make rightful action, right? Yeah, I mean, I, definitely. I mean, I think we need to be authentic with ourselves. We need to be honest, you know, and we need to recognize that there are differences 
between people, right? We are not all the same. We don't want to all be the same. We want to have differentiation. We want different stories. And I can go back and I can tell you stories of horror stories, but I can also tell you, and to a far greater extent, I have stories of, you know, people that have, that, I mean, just this morning, the call that I had, a 16 year old, he's not, he doesn't need to work anymore. He made so much Bitcoin, but why? Because at 16 years old, he watched hundreds of videos, earned thousands of Bitcoin, never thought they were going to be as well as he was. He locked them in Mount Gox. They're still there. He has thousands locked in Mount Gox, hasn't been able to access it, but he's gone and learned from that. I have another guy you know, who at, at 14 dropped out of high school and then sort of built up a mining division. Another guy actually running a VC fund today in crypto got kicked out of high school because he was using the high school electricity to run his mining rigs and stuff like that, right? So, Oh my God. But they're now all independent, super wealthy, hyper having learned and very attentive to how to grow this ecosystem and super you know, excited about the opportunity that this represents in terms of creating novelty, creating modern systems for a the next century, right? Not for the past yeah. century and trying to protect and hold on to the past century, but build for the future. Yeah, my nephew, he's a, a, a genius. He likes breaking stuff, building stuff, robotics. Yeah. And he just, he wants to make the money. He wants to make yeah. the money. He's wanting, he's wanting me to buy him like Gundam and all these like materialistic plastic things. I'm like, yo, this is cheap. Cheap. This is cheap. It's going to hoard. No. And then I was selling, setting him the Nickelodeon NFTs. I found like a rare one on like Rarity Sniper. And I'm like, yo, I got this for you. This is an NFT. Nice. I showed him like these NFTs that he, these toys that he's wanting. I'm like, yo, they're, I'm like, look, they're doing NFTs. So I'm showing him to start getting him in the, you know, prepping him in the mindset of like, look at like non-fungible tokens, NFTs, and you know, like the play to earn yeah. You were mentioning earlier. And I mean, Brilliant. like there was a huge boom in the Philippines with the play to earn. Like, I don't know, it was like maybe over $44 million or, yeah. you know, with, what did you say? Axie Infinity. Was that, is that, was that it? Yeah. That's one of the bigger populate platforms and games where people are playing to earn. Yeah. Okay, cool. This is amazing for, you know, that's a gem. But you have play to earn, you have Steppen, which is the, a sweat coin, which is the walk to earn, right? So all of a sudden you are actually earning and instead of paying money to advertising platforms, to Facebook, to Google for advertising to acquire customers, the customer acquisition is that advertising dollar is going to you individually and, and, and rewarding you for your attention into my product. And then how do I provide you redemption associated with the funds that you've earned? How do I make that a currency that you can use in a real world? Or in the case of Stepan, you can buy NFTs associated with the rewards that you get for walking. In the case of Sweatcoin, you can then buy um, physical goods. You can buy TV sets. You can buy sneakers or actually, you, I mean, you have to really walk a lot to buy that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. But it, it subsidizes it, right? And in the case of Axie Infinity, if you're in the Philippines, it allows you to buy NFTs, which you can then trade on OpenSea, on Rarible, which then allows you to then convert that into a stable coin, which you then can use 
venues and a maybe even in certain supermarkets or at street side corner shops and stuff like that. Yeah, I was asking my friend when he told me about the the stepping one. Like, you know, yeah, uh, yeah. I was like, "Yo, do they have one for talking?" Because like we would be great with it. <laughs> Yo, we'd be great. Look at my words, all my words. <laughs> I want one per word. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then how do you get it down to the quality of a word, right? So instead of I don't want to listen to hundred words, I want to listen to the five words out of those hundred words that really matter. Oh, that's that's next level. I love that's like next level, right? there. We might be onto something here because I'm a wordsmith. I'm all about Caroline Mai. Yeah. She's a mystic intuitive. She has an yeah. amazing um, TED talk. Um, it's called Choices, where people think watch that. Yeah. you know it's macro and micro choices, and they think like breaking up with someone or um, moving is is like a big choice. Actually, that's like a a, a small choice. It's your habits of 5 a.m. waking yeah. up, going for a swim, wh- what you eat, uh, working out. Those are actually the the macro choices. Yeah. Those those micro choices that make up the macro of the longevity of our lives. You'll like it. I will definitely check it out. I like that. Thank you. Airline Mice is amazing. So with um, Laguna Labs, how do you if you are right now, um, implement um, NFTs? I mean, just early on in dynamic NFTs, right? I think there's a bigger opportunity in creating um, certification, evolving, uh, tracking to your ownership, individual value, right? So what we've launched is at Laguna Labs, we've launched Trueflation.com, which is calculating real world inflation. What is the true inflation as it impacts us when we go as a household, as an individual, when I go to the supermarket, when I go to the gas station, when I take a flight, etc. And we've built a synthetic asset that pegs itself to that cost of living. So you can protect yourself and retain your purchasing power. So you have like a US dollar, but it's tied to the cost of living. So if the cost of living rises by 10%, the value of your coin goes up 10% to match the appropriate. And so what we've built out for that is a dynamic NFT, which is basically updating you on your statements, right? So how can we keep your bank statement dynamic as the different currencies sway as the, uh, you know, in the case of a, a, a stock market, your price would vary based on the number of stocks you own. So ultimately your balance is always moving. How do I have that in a tradable asset? So I don't need to go and sell my Robinhood t- stock. I don't need to sell my Netflix stock. I don't need to sell my Tesla stock. I can then sell this whole dynamic NFT, which is 15 Tesla stocks, you know, 10 and Netflix stocks and three Robinhood stocks. And then I can just sell that as one lump sum and the ownership goes along with that. And the value is locked in there because the value is constantly changing. So your bank statement, your stock you know, portfolio statement always changes and it is dynamic as such. Uh, and you can trade that as an NFT. Is it kind of like the S&P 500 for crypto? Not quite, actually, because in a way, if I sell when I say, yes, actually it is. If I buy an S&P and I sell my ownership in that S&P, at the moment, it's done in a centralized ledger, right? How do I sell that between you and me without having a middleman? Mm. Interesting. Interesting. And it's maintained by a smart contract, not by the S&P. Right, right, right. Interesting. That's very interesting. Um, You know, I have so many things I want to talk to you about. I, I... I can't even believe I didn't even say this yet, but this pad, thank you to Benzinga. 
Yeah. I got this little pad and I and I was there and I was writing notes and oh, I want you to you were talking about inflation and the numbers of inflation, which I would love to hear those numbers because I was like, yo, did I get this right? I have to write this down, numbers girl. But you said, oh my God, like it was so amazing. And I quote, there's a quote here. The people who will lose will be the people who do nothing. Stefan Rust, <laughs> Laguna Labs. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, that was, that was, uh, yeah, I mean, I do believe that if you don't continue to progress, if you don't learn, if you don't take risk, if you don't experiment, you're going to lose, you're going to stand still and standing still is, you know, in economic terms, you have a, a, a you know, a famous statement, you know, ceteris paribus which is Latin and stands for all things staying equal. And that does not exist anymore. You cannot work off that parameters. You have to sort of say that things are by default never staying equal. Everything shifts. Look at the variables in the algorithm of life today. Everything's changing. We had COVID, we had shutdowns. We had, you know, we have interest rates going up. We have inflation skyrocketing. We have a war going off. We have supply chain cutting down. We have oil depleting, right? We have, I don't know, there's so many things going on in the world today. How are we managing with those dynamics? And how are we being able to do quantitative easing, quantitative tightening, all of those elements that uh, centralized institutions are trying to do? You can't do that anymore. So you have to experiment a lot more and you need agility to do so. Um, yeah. And every time you do something wrong, you learn. You learn maybe the hard way, but you also learn and that learning gets implemented and included in something else that you're going to work on. And that furthers us as a society overall. Definitely. And being mindful of everything you just said, because the stuff that you just said and that we know of is out there and it's exposed. Yeah. But what about the true. silence yeah. of what's not exposed and the pressure and the bots and the, the, the algorithms and the, the data and things that are happening and people are having pressure to do things they don't want to do because they're suffering and they're fearful and they're scared. So the people who have the ability to be here listening is a privilege and then taking action in an ethical way moving forward yeah. is it a responsibility, a social responsibility for the economy, for the ones who are suffering, who are enslavement in a kind of way, who don't have the luxuries that you and I have yeah. and that other people have. So we can, you know, I don't want to say neutralize it in such a way, but, you know, to make it what we actually want to see and be by doing our part, because there's a lot going on. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and because there's a lot going on that the assumption is, oh, I've built this. I can then just continue to sell it. Right. And if you're, you know, or in, in the expectation that nobody's going to copy it, nobody's going to improve on it. Nobody's going to work a bit harder to do something better. You cannot assume that anymore. I think you've always got to assume. I mean, one book I read, which was about Intel and I read, it was written by Andy Grove. It was called Only the Paranoid Survive. And I felt that was was a very, you know, I mean, it was a very scary book because I mean, only paranoid survive. So you've always got to be paranoid. You're always on edge. How can you ever 
you know, come to a, a you know, sort of some sort of health, health and wellness life balance. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be impossible if you're constantly paranoid. Yeah. But in technology, that is definitely the case because open source nature of software today means that anybody can access a AI. I mean, look, there's even a marketplace for AI algorithms. You know, um, you can actually go out there and find an algorithm marketplace and choose an algorithm to embed in your data engine and then reward the software developer for having built that AI algorithm and work it and use it yourself. And he, it's, it's as an NFT or as a smart contract, you're using that, embedding that, and he gets a royalty share of how often you use it or, or whatever, which is brilliant to me, right? And that enables so many opportunities, but at the same time, it, it, it shows that there is somebody else building something else with the products that are out there and they're all available, right? Yeah, and it's it's the choice of how we utilize those tools that exactly. have been given to us. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. That's why it's so super exciting to be alive now because there's so many yeah. tools out there. And if you're keeping abreast with all of these different tools that are out there, you can access them, you can play with them, you can tinker. And with tinkering comes learning. With the learning, there may be a whole new business opportunity with there. There may be a demand that fits a niche that you can reach out to the whole worldwide audience on the internet too, right? You're not limited to Austin, Texas or Detroit, right? You're, you're limited by the number of people around the world that are connected to an internet. Yeah. And, you know, with everything you're just saying and what we're sharing, it makes it fun. Like it's curious. It's it's not the banking system of what was and this and that, and we don't have to go there because we already know it, but it's new and exciting in a way. And it's like, yeah. it's so interesting and it's fun. It's yeah. fun to learn. You know, I want to hone it in and wrap it up. Thanks for the uh, the book recommendation. Uh, yeah. I'm really huge on education. I found my uh, ruler last <laughs> night. So I'm like, yes. And then I used it to measure something. But yeah, like really big into books. Love that. To hone it in. And I mean, I, I was going to say this at the beginning of the show, but I mean, would love to have you back during season five. We're just getting started here, but uh, you're just so brilliant and have so much to offer your value and who you are. Thank you. And I just want to hone it in. Yeah, of course. And I just want to hone it in with, um, you know, my favorite acronym, um, which is choice based credit system. So like, what is the meaning of CBDCs? And because like people don't even know what that means. So a CBDC is is a central bank digital currency. It is a replacement or it's it's a, a digital dollar, right? Um, so I don't have a paper note anymore. I have the equivalent representation in the form of a token that is distributed to me. What does that do? That simplifies the distribution of funds. So when during COVID, remember the government was handing out directly to users uh, money and though how those monies, how were they distributed? Electronically. Electronically, right? And so now how can I distribute that to my mobile phone directly, straight from the central bank? And so I think that's sort of the play behind it. So many uh, elements that's tied to that. And there's a large constituent that believes that that is very scary because that gives even more control into centralized institutions. And, you know, those centralized institutions are in some cases have new powers taking control of those centralized institutions. And those centralized institutions then can ultimately control the distribution of funds, of money, and the utility of that money. So can you spend that money? Oh, these coins are all blocked. 
right? These coins are only going to be valued for one month. If you don't spend it in a month, it's gone. You can never use it again, right? And so you'll have all of, oh, you've spent too much money on gas. No, you're not allowed to use the, the gas anymore. You're not allowed to buy anymore. You're not allowed to drive anymore. Things like that, right? And so where does the line uh, stop? And, and it's very hard to see that line stop at any point in time. That's why these decentralized networks are a counterpart to it. I think both will exist. I think we will have CBDCs as well as decentralized currencies. As long as we as a citizenship and as the people fight for a alternative coins and have different flavors to it. Like we have Barnes & Noble, like we have Amazon, like we have Shopify. We have multiple different sources where we can go and spend our money. We should have that same sort of choice with actual money itself. I love it. Yeah. Definitely. Yes. Everyone share this episode with one person, please. Go back and listen to it again. Definitely check out the show notes. Stefan, where can people reach you? So Twitter is the best one. srust99 srust99 um, That's the best way to get a hold of me. I'm pretty active on there and, and then same handle on Telegram is another way to reach out, but that's definitely a bit more crowded. Okay, great. And I'll have all the Twitters for all of your businesses in the show notes. <laughs> I mean... Yeah, I mean, just at the moment our focus is very much around trueflation. Um, that's really where we're just really want to provide better insights in terms of how real world asset pricing are evolving, right? How are the prices around the world evolving? And how is that impacting you, me and all the people? Because once we see the impact and people are beginning to learn what that means as these prices move, what are the economic impacts associated with that? And how can you and I hedge myself against that impact. What does that look like? What are the products and that will allow me in my situation to be able to protect my purchasing power very much that you could do that with your situation? You're living in a different city. You have different um, you know, transportation needs. You have different household needs, right? And, and so how do we then customize that to a level where it provides a greater democracy of you know, economic impact? Well, I'm here to learn. I'm yeah. just getting started. And I'm so excited because when you learn something, Jim Quick says, when you learn something, you're a student. Yeah. But then when you when you teach it to someone, you get to learn twice. Yeah. So I am excited to learn yeah. from you directly and then share with my dad, a person I love so much, <laughs> oh. and then have a newfound relationship with my dad, you know, right. in, in a way where the stigma comes along with certain responsibilities of him keeping a household together and taking care of us and providing those things that he has for his wife and my mom and uh, his four children, my siblings. Awesome. So yeah. So thank you for being you and all the work and things that you've done in the world. I mean, we have to conclude by your grandfather and what he did in <laughs> Singapore. And I mean, and mobilization, just like give people those quick facts, because the reason why of your mind growth, your mindset, your heart, your passion, your soul of who you are from where you started to where you are now and where you're growing to like your ethics and inclusivity of diversity and international 
passionately for the people, I think it really shines out when I saw the information about, you know, one of your relatives. So please do share. <laughs> yeah. So my, my grandfather was um, with the British Foreign Office um, and he was actually the governor of Singapore and handed Singapore over to Lee Kuan Yew, who became the prime minister of Singapore um, for many years after that. He felt that he wanted Singapore to become more and more independent before he then moved to Hong Kong and became the governor of Hong Kong um, before retiring. Uh, but he was a prisoner of war. He had an amazing life, a very tough life. I mean, he was in a, in a, in a war, prisoner of war camp um, in Burma. And, and those were notoriously difficult. And under very, he saw the uh, atomic bomb on a ship on his way to Australia after having been sent away from Japan. Um, so yeah, he had a, an amazing story. I grew up outside of my home nation. I was always in the minority. I loved to see the world. I've traveled the world. I've been very fortunate in traveling, meeting new people all the time, new cultures, different types of cultures, all different aspects of which I feel and that freedom to move around and to constantly learn, to figure out how to communicate with different cultures uh, without knowing a, a, a common language, identifying that everywhere around the world, the funny thing is the tunes for happy birthday are the same everywhere around the world. The words are different, but the tunes are exactly the same. How does that happen? You know, it's like, um, you know, so, so to me, it was amazing that, that this has just traveled. Small things like that, um, that everybody can, you know, relate to, brings us together somehow. And so we need to build a fabric on this planet where we can relate to each other on a much grander scale than we do today. And that's the only way we do that is by interacting and learning with the different cultures around the world. Definitely. Well said. So beautiful. So moving. Yeah. Wow. Lucky you. Yeah, seriously. Thank God for your grandfather. And you know, he had to have gone through those brutal times to have the tremendous success and notoriety that he's achieved. Yeah, you know, Khalil Gibran has a, a poem on uh, joy and sorrow. And how can you know the depths of sorrow or the depths of joy if you haven't experienced one or the other so yeah one or the other right yeah yeah i mean what goes down must go up right and what goes up must come down yeah um and i think history has shown that we go through those uh, you know those waves everyone you just tuned in to stefan rust thank you so much for joining us and we'll see you next time thank you katie thank you everybody yay thank you so much for joining us we'll see you next time kiriaki over and out <laughs>